Hello and welcome to another edition of the podcast where we look back on the cartoons, movies, TV shows, and whatnot of our youth to see if it's still worth a damn. Or not. Or not, which is far too often the case. I'm Sean. And I'm Chris. And this is Childhood Remastered. mid-1980s, Nickelodeon was well on its way to becoming the powerhouse of children's programming we know today. They had already found a winning formula with a schedule full of variety shows and pre-existing animated properties, but in 1986, producers on the channel famous for covering kids in green slime opted to pursue a new kind of show. A game show. Building on America's love for quiz shows and the success of gross-out hit You Can't Do That on Television... Producers put together a show that combined a trivia contest, physical challenges that would leave contestants sticky, slimy, wet, or some combination of the three, and an obstacle course designed to push people to their limits. The end result was Double Dare. Double Dare is an American television game show where two teams of various sizes compete to win cash prizes by answering trivia questions and competing in messy, uh, often comical physical challenges. It originally aired from October 6, 1986 to February 6, 1993 with a total of 482 episodes. It then got a short revival in January of 2000 until November of 2000 for 67 episodes in what's commonly called Double Dare 2000, and now finally a second revival that is on TV right now in 2018. So what do you remember of this show, Sean? I remember... I mean, it, this is, I think, a hard one to, to talk about a little bit because it, it's a game show. And think about any kind of game show that, that you watch now or maybe you've watched in in recent time like think about jeopardy or wheel of fortune i mean how much do you remember from a specific episode i remember watching it for sure i remember i remember uh the basics of what the uh, of what the show was about the contestants answered trivia questions i remember liking it i mean it was a fun yeah. show to watch yeah uh because it was it was people my age there were kids actually older than me in 1986 i was not very old but i watched reruns of it and when i watched the reruns i i was definitely around those the age of the kids because originally in double dare the, i want to say they were like middle school kids they were like 12 13 years old maybe if they were that old that that started on the show so it was kind of cool because you didn't you didn't see that i don't think i mean we get uh we get every so often like a jeopardy teen challenge where you see people that might you know if you're a teenager, or wheel might... of Fo wheel of fortune of college or something yeah but i don't i think that's a more recent phenomenon you weren't seeing that in like the 70s and 80s like no, nobody no. wanted to watch kids do a participate in a game show no. nobody cared if kids won 120 bucks like who cares but the way i did like i did like how the show it was designed for kids and it was designed by kids and like the prizes were things that kids would enjoy it, right. it made you want to be on the show that's very true i definitely wanted to be on the show I, it's interesting I, and i'm kind of i thought it was interesting that you mentioned the don't remember specific episodes 
And I only say that because I do remember specific episodes of game shows <laughs> because I'm crazy. Yeah. So when I was a kid, this is sort of a semi-side thing. I had this uh, aunt and uncle that lived with us for a while. And my Uncle Clifton was really into the Wheel of Fortune. Like, <laughs> oh, the wheel, the wheel. The wheel was life. Wheel was life. Wheel, wheel was life. fire, yo. Yeah. So there was this guy, and I don't remember his name, but the letter C was like his famous letter that he liked to call out. And he'd, he'd call out and scream out for a letter C. He was really well and animated, and he wore this like full body sort of mustard colored suit. And it was like... <laughs> It was it was a thing, and then I remember the guy that competed with the computer on on Jeopardy. Oh yeah, and, no, no, I do remember that because yeah. they sort of made an event out of it. That was right. what's his name. Um, so I can't remember his name. Ken or Ken, something. Ken, yeah, yeah, his name was Ken. And so there's, I remember some of those, and then I remember. Um, yeah, th- that makes sense because those are more event type. Well, yeah. at least with the with the guy that you're talking there's about. There's also that's... the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I remember that. I remember some episodes of that. And then I I actually got to sit in the audience for Weakest Link. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I got to sit in the audience for that, and I remember that show. So I do have some of those memories, but with this particular show, I don't have a whole lot of specifics. Hmm. I think it's more that I remember where I was sitting and where I was and the people I spent time with while watching it, because this was definitely a show that I watched with my family. Yeah, this and is a this family was, show. This was family time for us. I watched this with my parents and my brother and sister and sometimes my cousins and my grandparents. And like, we'd all be in the room together and watch the show together. And my my grandparents and cousins didn't have cable when I was little. So mm-hmm. they would come to our house like for dinner or something. And they wanted to watch something that was on cable. So we'd put on double there because it was family friendly and it was fun and everybody enjoyed the show. And, uh, there's excitement and there's prizes and there's stuff on the line. And so it, it made for more of a family oriented process, but I guess, I guess I see what you're saying in, in that, this is kind of like some of the stuff we've covered recently in that it's more of a feeling and and less of an experience with a particular episode. Yeah, even even when it comes to some of the physical challenges, I don't remember the... I remember the obstacle course. I remember things specifically from the obstacle course. Right, so I remember the picking nose thing. Yep. I remember the sign down the mouth thing. Yep. I remember the spiral slide. I remember the pancake. Or going, going across... The ball pit. Yeah, ball pit or going across the uh, the slippery track on the tricycle. Right. So, like, I remember those challenges, but the physical challenges in the rest of the game, like, yeah, I, I, I don't mean, remember it, shit it, from that. It, it makes sense because of the uh, the obstacle course was pretty consistent for the most part. They they removed a couple of the of the early things when they were figuring out what they were going to do. But once they got their formula for the obstacle course, they pretty much stuck to it yeah. in terms of what the actual obstacles were. So, and that did take some time because in the first couple episodes, they had no idea what they were doing. No, they didn't. And, and those was... episodes are really hard. To, can I just tell, can we just talk for a second before we really get into the show? The episodes for the show are really hard to find. Yeah. Not, I mean, they're not as hard as Monster Force was. Actually, if... it's not like the episodes don't exist, but like. They're hard to find. They're hard to find in the way that we normally find our episodes to watch. I actually went on YouTube 
And you can purchase episodes to watch or purchase a season or something. They have like a bunch of seasons. Yeah, up if you there. go to Amazon, you can buy all the seasons that way. Yeah, you can find it. It's just hard to watch it just free. to watch it. Yeah, to watch it for free. So, yeah, I mean. We I, do. We spend a lot of time and resources on this show, but. Uh, <sighs> but but we're, we're kind of, I mean, you know, we buy the equipment and stuff, but we're kind of past the point of. Spend money to download stuff for this, yeah. uh, unless we have no choice. Yeah, and and I've done a few of those. Like yeah. I've rented movies for for the show, but yeah, why not? But I, I wasn't about to spend fifteen dollars for season one of Double Dare. Yeah, so and they're, they're sorry, not sorry. And the thing about well, let's get into it because then we can talk about the production of the show a little bit. Uh, the show was created by Jeffrey Darby, who was a writer for Hey Dude, and you can't do that on television. It's important to mention because there are ties here between this show and You Can't Do That on Television, which came out in 1983. And and we can kind of get into that when we start talking production stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's an important tie. The most the most notable one is the green slime. We mentioned it in the intro. The green slime is like the connecting factor because that was made famous on You Can't Do That on Television. And they very much incorporate that slime into the obstacle course, into just sort of the gross out factor of it getting kids be- covered in stuff. Yeah. I mean, it even became a sort of core feature of Nickelodeon in general. Mm-hmm. It's still stuck around. I mean, if you go watch the Kids' Choice Awards and Nickelodeon... They still slime people. They still slime people. That's their thing. Like, that's what they're known for. Yeah. He was also a director for You Can't Do That on Television. And UFO Kidnapped? He produced... Yeah, as another kid show. Yeah, he was a producer for Clarissa Explains It All. He produced Double Dare, obviously. Finders Keepers. He also produced You Can't Do That on Television and Eureka's Castle and Family Double Dare. And he later went on to become the president of Oxygen Media and is now the VP of Programming at the Weather Channel. Since 2009. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. But the the next person that created this is Michael Klinghoffer, who was a writer and producer for Double Dare, Super Sloppy Double Dare, Family Double Dare, of course, all the Double Dare stuff, as well as several other projects that, um, I mean, frankly, people don't aren't, aren't going to know about. I guess you could go read about them, but I was just like, I'm not, I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. The next person is Dee LaDuke, and of course we talked about Dee LaDuke before because she was also the uh, creator of Hey Dude, co-creator of Hey Dude, and she's the sort of de facto creator of Double Dare. You know, we have these other people listed, but she's the one who really came up with a lot of the concepts for this show, and she was a, what essentially was a receptionist mm-hmm. when this show came out, and this show brought her from receptionist to producer for Designing Women and uh, a TV show starring Polly Shore called Polly and uh, executive producer for the show Girlfriends and uh, Double Dare and Hey Dude and all these other projects because she came up with the concepts for the show. So awesome for Dee LaDuke. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, the last person is Debbie Beese, who was a writer for Hey Dude and Family Double Dare, and she was the executive producer for Harriet the Spy and the Rugrats movie. One thing that we should mention before we move on from the creators is the idea for the show, uh, the, the original idea for the show came from Jeffrey Darby. And his idea was essentially he wanted to put kids and see how kids would react to being put in an elaborate Rube Goldberg style yes. machine. He wanted to. He the wanted board game mousetrap was part of the earliest iterations of yeah. what they were thinking about as yeah. the sort of storyboard of the idea. He wanted the kids to be like the marble in mousetrap right. that goes through all the little different things and then winds up at the and end. How interesting it would be. Yeah, exactly. Fun side note. This isn't in any of the notes, but I was talking to you about it in the car when we were grabbing dinner. There is, if you go search for double dare pilot episode, 
you are not going to get the pilot episode for this show, which came out in 86. What you're going to get is an episode from a short-lived game show in 1976, hosted by Alex Trebek. Interesting. Called, called Double Dare, in which two adults would compete in a trivia-like game show with the most convoluted set of rules ever. I honestly just stopped paying attention about 10 minutes in because I was like, okay, so there's all this like betting and rule of five and all that, whatever this weird stuff. I can't, I can't do it. So if you go look for it, that's what you're going to find, but that's not, it has nothing to do with this. So just, just putting that out there. Yeah. So the show was originally created um, because Nabisco, and we were talking about this in the car and I couldn't remember who it was. I, I was trying to figure out which company it was. Nabisco wanted Nickelodeon to create a show that would be a good fit for them to advertise on. And Nickelodeon was like, sure, because Nabisco makes stuff like Oreos and Fig Newtons. So it's all food-based stuff. Peanut butter crackers yeah. and all that stuff. So yeah. Nickelodeon was like, sure, we'll we'll try and come up with something. So they, they came up with the idea for the show. But Nabisco dropped out like way early in the, not even, I don't even want to call it production. It was like pre-production. They, yeah. they dropped out way early. So the, the the sponsor of the show dropped out and Nickelodeon was just like, nah, we'll just keep going with it. This We like this idea. So they, they ran with it. Well, and thankfully they did. Mm -hmm. There are a couple of writers. So I'm just going to blast through these. Alan Silberger, Gary Delina, Bobby Laurie. John Ten Ike, and I'm not really sure what they wrote. I'm guessing they wrote the questions. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. So because this is a this is a quiz show essentially. The first the first part of it is a quiz show, and then there's some other stuff thrown in. So the show was let's, hosted. Yeah. Let's get into the cast a yeah. little bit. Cast, I guess, quote unquote cast. The the the, uh, the show was hosted by Mark Summers. The now, original show. Yeah. Eighty six to ninety three, hosted by Mark Summers. Yeah. And if you are at, if you are all cognizant in the 80s and early 90s of because they reran this show a lot if you were at all cognizant ad infinum yeah if you were at all cognizant you know who mark summers is he was uh he was an actor producer he still is actor producer he's a talk show host uh he was the host of double dare obviously and he was also the host of unwrapped on the food network which was a favorite of mine is a show about candy. i love that i i don't care i'll still watch reruns of unwrapped yeah and he was recently uh until recently he was the executive producer of dinner impossible and restaurant impossible uh, he was which the, also are sort of guilty pleasures too yeah so. anything on the food network especially triple d uh so okay let's go to flavor town oh <laughs> you know my feelings about him are not not favorable uh, he's a good uh, guy though okay you're right he is supposed to be a really nice guy, and, he and he's does a put and he's put a lot of small time uh, restaurants on the map. He has, in fact, one of my local favorite restaurants has been put on the map because of him. So I appreciate that. I find him still to be irritating, and I don't care. I don't care. That's what puts that's what puts butts in the seats. That's true, but but at any rate, yeah, um, yeah. So Mark Summers uh, was on Food Network in 1999. Actually, he came out publicly with his battle. With obsessive compulsive disorder. And I, the reason you would think, why are we talking about Mark Summers' obsessive compulsive disorder when we're talking about Double Dare? And I will tell you why. And it's because 
this show is messy as shit. Yeah. And so you think about somebody who is obsessed with cleanliness and order and has serious obsessive compulsive tendencies now being the host of a show that advertises how messy it makes its contestants. Mm-hmm. One of the and, sh- and not to mention the little kiosk where the people answered their questions has a towel rack on the side. It does. <laughs> it has a towel rack. Yeah. So this must have been a nightmare for him. And, and you don't see that at all. He that's what he's a consummate professional. Yes. Whatever whatever was bothering him and I'm sure things were bothering him. I'm about sure they the are show. because I remember when this interview came out, he ended up on Oprah and uh, some other shows. I remember him talking about it was a nightmare to do the show yeah, because of all the stuff that bothered him. Yeah. And the short video that you're, that you're talking about is called everything in its place. My trials and triumphs with obsessive compulsive disorder. He produced that video. Yes. Well, that, it's like a short, short series that he did. It's like a mini series. And then uh, uh, at some point, he also did an interview on Oprah. It's mm-hmm. not in the notes because just I remember. Um, but then he also came out uh, with his illness. And as a result, he lost the hosting job of Hollywood Squares. That's how Tom Bergeron got the job it's in the so 90s. It's so weird. It's so weird that he would lose his you job. You like to be clean? Fuck you. Get out of my house. Well, what's crazy is uh, how much Hollywood has changed, I guess, is um, Howie Mandel has the same issue. He's he's crazy about germs. He's a complete germaphobe. And he's I mean, pretty he successful might, now. Yeah, he might not be. He might not have like diagnosed OCD, but he's, I think he does have diagnosed he's, OCD. He's crazy. He's a not crazy is the wrong word. I'm not trying to use that word. He is very very obsessed with cleanliness and in, he has some obsessive compulsive tendencies and he, yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's a germaphobe, and he for a long time. What was it? Uh, a deal or no deal was the show that he was hosting. All for the a long fist time. bumps, and he would like have a panic attack if somebody oh, yeah. hugged him. Oh, that yeah. became sort of the game to watch. It's like when people try to hug him, and he would like lose his shit. It was actually kind of funny, but yeah. At any rate, yeah. um, he was also diagnosed with leukemia, uh, lymphatic leukemia in 2014, but he's, I guess, been in remission since 2016. And there has been a reboot of the show. We'll kind of get into it a little bit later that came out this year in 2018. And he is now the announcer for that. Yeah. So the next host really quick is Jason Harris. He hosted 2000. He really has only done bit roles except for this. And the new host of the new show, because we're going to talk a little bit about that today, is... Liza Koshy, and she was a day walker in Boo, uh, a Medea Halloween. <laughs> uh, that's oh, her claim God. to fame. Violet in Freakish, and um, she stars and produces the YouTube premium series Liza on Demand. I'm guessing she was a YouTube star then, if she has a YouTube. That's what I was thinking. She currently hosts MTV's Total Request Live since uh, early in the year, and she's also had roles on Riverdale and Vampire Diaries. I never feel older than I do when someone talks about a YouTube star and I have no idea who they are. Oh, yo, for real. That happens every day. The only reason I know about Logan Paul is because he is a shitbird supreme. And he and <laughs> That's he was the best way to describe and, him. And he was on the he was on the actual news for being a shitbird. See, so, I only knew who he was because Philip DeFranco covered him, and I watched Philip DeFranco every day. So technically, it's the news, right? It, it, to be fair, it's probably better news than anything else out there. But yeah. that's that's neither here nor there. I, I'm sure if um, we have any younger listeners out there, that they probably know who Liza Koshy is, probably, and all the other people we're talking about. But yeah. this this. This episode today, before we continue, is going to be as a little bit of a, a comparison. Yeah. 
We've had a few, actually more than one requester who has suggested we do side-by-side re- uh, comparison episodes with mm-hmm. like old and new DuckTales or, you know, old and new versions of the show since, you know, you, we We covered, are seeing a lot of reboots. Right. We have all these reboots like She-Ra and then there was the, the Gem movie that came out. And mm-hmm. so people have asked us to do side-by-side. A part of us feels like, well, why don't we just cover it in and of itself? We'll mm-hmm. get there eventually. It's not like we have a, a drought of material to yeah. cover. Um I think it's funny that when we talk about a drought of material, I have a list. I have several lists because that's how we run the show. But I have a list that is detailing all these like suggested ideas. And I was like, oh, if we just do one episode on each of these, we've got two years worth of material. Yeah. Um, if we do an episode every week, and that's not for the weeks that we take weeks off or... Uh, episodes that we do double episodes on. And then that's also not including all this crazy stuff we've gotten suggestions for, which thank you for all the requests. Uh, we are slowly adding them into our, our long list. But but I guess this will kind of be our first side-by-side. We haven't done one yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and we may do more in the future, but but this is the first one for the, for now. And, and maybe maybe let's um, maybe let's do some more. Yeah, we can yeah. do that for yeah, sure. Yeah, we can do some more. So this was narrated. Let's let's talk about the narrators because the narrators have changed over time. The original nar- narrator was a guy named John Harvey, but he always went by Harvey. Yeah, whenever you hear him like, Harvey, tell them what they win or what are they going to win, Harvey, or whatever. He yeah. just went by that. He was usually credited by his last name in most of the things that he did, but he was the announcer for History IQ, Finders Keepers, Double Dare, and was later the host and builder for the Discovery Channel show Gimme Shelter. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Now, before Nickelodeon, he was known as Harvey in the Morning at Philadelphia radio station WIOQ. And I guess he had a, a radio show from 77 to 89. He has like the perfect radio voice. Yeah, and it's important to note, too, that the that the uh, the show actually started production in philadelphia that's Which where, is you're like why is this radio host from philadelphia doing nickelodeon shows because it, it was filmed why. in hill in philadelphia right now in the early 2000s he was a location scout and producer for tlc series trading spaces which being was a, another guilty pleasure of mine being a location scout has to be one of the best jobs ever here any travel to this place do nothing yeah take pictures of their house here's unlimited funding not really, but essentially, go on a trip, take pictures, take video, write about. It's like being a travel blogger or travel yeah. travel. But, we, but I feel like with less responsibility. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the next person was Doc Holliday, who was the announcer between '92 to '93. He and was a radio personality at WXXL FM in Orlando for 17 years. Yeah, and that, this is when the show moved to uh, Florida to the Nickelodeon Studios yes. in Florida from Philadelphia. Yes. And then from 2007 to 2010, he also co-hosted another radio show, I guess, and then moved to Phoenix Rising Radio Network, where he currently hosts two other shows. The last, uh, there, there's two more announcers. The first is Tiffany Phillips. She's from Apple Valley. Uh, she was the announcer in 2000. She's mostly been a character actress with roles on, like, I don't know, Grey's Anatomy and Days of Our Lives and Teen Wolf and Supergirl, Workaholics and some other stuff. Uh, Scandal, I think. And that show was only 65 episodes in the year 2000, so we're not really going to touch on that show much. Yeah. The last announcer is Mark Summers. He reprised his role uh, on the show, but in a slightly different role. So he went from the host of the show to the announcer. But we can talk more about how I feel like in the new show, it's a sort of blending of the two. Mm-hmm. But um, 
Directors know. for the show. I mean, it's a, it's a game show, so we had a couple different directors: Dana Calderwood from eighty six to eighty eight, Hugh Martin from eighty nine to ninety one, Lexi Ray from ninety two to ninety three. You had Hal Lee uh, uh, during two thousand, the the Double Dare two thousand, and currently we have Hans von Wright, who is uh, directing the the current incarnation. Music is. Ed Kalehoff from 86 to 93, and then again in the 2018. And in 2000, the Redheaded Stepchild show, Rick Witkowski did the music. Now, I'm trying to remember the theme music because when the show started, maybe I just am not remembering the intro. Because you when, are. It's the same music that played when they were doing their physical challenges. Okay, that, that, that makes that, sense. Because bow, 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 Like, whatever that nonsense. I, yeah. I always remember the intro being like an inter, inter, uh, introductory physical challenge that they do to, like, start the game. And maybe that's what I'm... I, I'm just not remembering the theme music for it. But like you said, if it's, if it's the music from the physical challenges, then they play that same music all the time. Yes. Maybe let's let's do the merchandise real quick before we talk about production because there's actually kind of a lot to talk about there. So okay. there there was some merchandise related to the show. There was some product placement. Product in the show placement, too. serious product placement. Reebok was a major sponsor of the show, and every contestant and stage crew member wore a pair of these shoes. That makes me wonder if they got to keep those shoes or if they just had if they just had a stock of shoes like it was a a bowling alley and they had a stock of shoes to to have kids wear. While they were on the show, and then they had to give them back, and they sprayed them with that spray, and they put them back in the holding tank. Who knows? It's possible. I I, I just don't see see a company giving out shoes to everybody who was on the show, especially when they did 460-something shows. They're going to give out 460 pairs of shoes. Well, not really, because the crew probably didn't change too much from episode to I'm talking about the, uh, the contestants. There was at least four contestants. Every episode. Oh, yeah. And if they all wore Reebok shoes, that's four pairs of shoes times 400 and some odd episodes. Yeah, but if you think about how cheap the adverti- that advertisement must have been in comparison. Maybe, yeah. Like, think about what it would cost in 19- in the ni- early 1990s to buy a cheap pair of Reeboks. Yeah. Okay? And they weren't like the designer ones either. They no, were they're just, just like, whatever. I couldn't even tell you a Reebok shoe brand or no, shoe, shoe style. style. I don't... Yeah, I have no idea. But imagine that they... Let's say they bought you know, a pair of shoes for each contestant and then compare that to what it would cost for a single TV commercial. It was probably pretty cheap for them. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I would think. Now that three different board games, a PC game in 1988, a 1990 video game for regular Nintendo that was released. And, uh, there were remakes of the Gak and Ooze. That they I made. had Gak. I did too. I, I had Gak. Gak. The whole, the, yeah. the best part about Gak was making it fart in the container. Oh yeah. You, you just can, press it and go. Well, I think now people know how to make homemade Gak, which is like borax and like, like cornstarch uh, corn probably. Starch, yeah. Well, did you ever, did you ever look up? The, my kid comes home from preschool uh, with Gak and she like she likes, she likes to put it in a cup and go, dad, watch, I can make the cup fart. And she's just like. Pfft. My mom used to run a preschool and one of the pro I, she used to do little projects with the yeah. kids. I mean, it was a fairly sizable preschool. So she had to have stuff for them to do and they would make stuff like this. I mean, I don't think they would make GAC, but they would make like homemade Play-Doh and homemade, uh, all kinds of stuff like that. Crayons sometimes smush all the crayons together and it's a press. Easy. I mean, it's like wax and food coloring and you can make some, make some crayons. Yeah. Did, so. did you ever look up the, or did you ever uh, know the, the, the recipe for the slime? 
that they use. I think for the most part, the slime was oatmeal and like water and food coloring. Was it really? Yeah, because it had to be edible because it got on their faces. Oh, right. Yeah, so borax is probably out. Yeah, and it's not, yeah, it's yeah. not probably borax. It's probably, it, it's, all of the slime was food-based. Yeah. Something that was edible, non-toxic. That cornstarch is probably a big, yeah. Big cornstarch, oatmeal, and water probably. Probably some sugar to make it not completely unpleasant, but yeah. No, I, I think let's just talk maybe for a second also about how popular this show was. It was extremely popular. popular. So within a month of its premiere, Double Dare had more than tripled viewership for Nickelodeon's afternoon schedule, becoming the highest-rated original daily programming. On cable. Like, that's, that is massive. Now, granted, this is the early days of cable, but still. During Double Dare's first year, the show actually averaged a 3.0 household rating on the Nielsen system. With over a million homes tuning in each week for the show. And remember, that's this a, is cable. This is cable. In 1986. Yeah. I mean, think about that. That's that's pretty huge. Yeah. So in 1988, when it debuted in syndication, the show had a 5.4 household Nielsen rating and 15.4 rating among children between 2 and 11. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was the second highest rated syndicated program in that demographic period. And that's across all channels. Yeah. That means that the show in 1988... Was the second rated, second highest rated show for kids in the United States. Period, and it was on cable. Yeah, a thing that most people at that did time did not have. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's, imagine. It, I mean, this is the second highest rated show in the U.S. on a channel that most people didn't have access to. Think about like that's crazy. Think about like today. Uh, Game of Thrones is on HBO, which is a premium channel that not everybody has. Imagine if Game of Thrones was the second highest rated television show, Game period. Of, I think Game of Thrones, when it's on, is one of the most popular shows. And it just goes to show, like, this is essentially like the Game of Thrones of 19, 1986, 87. For kids between 2 and 11. Yeah. But they're, <laughs> they're all watching it. That's the thing. Is if they yeah. have access to it, they're watching it. And I think that speaks to the fact that the the show creators, or at least the people that were that were running it, they knew how to talk to kids and they knew how to get them interested. That's yeah. what I was talking about, like the prizes and stuff that they could mm-hmm. win. They were all things that kids would have wanted. Well, and at one point the show had some of its episodes played on Fox. And in when that happened in, I think it was 89 or 88, it gave Fox its highest Sunday night rated show mm-hmm. ever, period, until that point. It mm-hmm. had high, higher rated shows later. I think, obviously, once The Simpsons got started. But this was on, on a Sunday night before The Simpsons were created. So, I mean, that's that's pretty good, I would think. Yeah. You know? And even when it got rebooted in 2000, it had good, it had pretty good ratings. Because I think this it is... It actually... I mean, really, the entire time it was on TV, until it ended, and then again in 2000, the ratings were good. Yeah, and it it goes to show that there are there are ways to program variety shows and game shows really for kids that they that they would like. And I'm sure that I'm sure that Nickelodeon, because there were more game shows that came afterwards, I'm sure Nickelodeon took that and tried to replicate the formula with varying degrees of success on shows like Figure It Out and and Nick Arcade and Guts and these other game show type type. Uh, yeah programs that you know like i said varying levels of success maybe it's because of the maybe maybe uh 
Double Dare just that benefited from the novelty of the fact that there was never a I think kid's it hit game the show. right thing at the right time. Yeah, like so many other things in life, it's the right thing at the right time with the right people. And it just yeah. became a phenomenon. Well, and with You Can't Do That on Television, that show got picked up for more syndication. Once Double... I didn't put this in the notes, but it got picked up for more syndication once Double Dare was on TV in the late 80s because of the association with Slime. Yeah. And they realized that they're like... Well, hell, if this is the show that created Slime and they use it in every episode, yeah. we can just put this show on and rerun. It'll cost us nothing. And it's free eyeballs at the screen for advertisers. Yeah, and and it's hard. You can't do that on television. I believe got uh, equal or greater than uh, ratings in its syndication than it did in its original run in 83. That's just like, what was the show? Uh, Family Guy, when it got taken off the air, when it was oh, playing on yeah. when it was playing on Comedy Central or Cartoon Network. I think it was Cartoon Network. TBS or it was getting, it was getting or whatever. just it was, as yeah. much, if not more. No, it was getting more ratings, higher ratings than it did when it was originally on. But no, it, it speaks to how popular this show was because essentially between this show and you can't do that on television, Nickelodeon essentially branded themselves based off of those two shows. They changed their whole, their whole like physical branding at their at their headquarters. They installed that slime fountain. They started incorporating slime into everything they do. And those were the slime was a staple of you can't do that on television and Double Dare. These shows essentially built the network. It did. I mean, and we've talked about this before with with the big quattro, I like to call them. You know, you've got Doug and Rugrats Ren and, and Ren Stimpy. Stimpy and Rocco's Modern Life. And in a way, to some extent, they helped build Nickelodeon. But at the same time, shows like Clarissa Explains It All um, and this one and some of the other ones that we may be covering in the future... I mean, they really built up the brand. And, yeah. and, you know, we've talked before about the Disney renaissance, right? Yeah. We've talked about the Disney renaissance and the cold golden age of Disney and the resurgence of Disney because of Little Mermaid and Aladdin and Lion King and all and Mulan and all of these shows. But at the same time, it was everywhere. Mm-hmm. We've mentioned this before with, with Animaniacs and with Freakazoid and with some of these shows with Warner Brothers and... Also with Nickelodeon, it really sort of because of this resurgence of, hey, we can do stuff for kids that's not bad. Mm -hmm. We can put out a good thing for kids that's not just a let's sell a quick buck. Let's make something quality. And I think this like it was the perfect time for it. Yeah, it it was. It was. And And like I said, this this really was this started. I would I would argue this started the first Nickelodeon renaissance because before before this era, before this early eighties, mid mid eighties era, yeah. they were essentially doing what Cartoon Network was doing when it first started. It, they were just rebroadcasting old cartoons, and they and were weird public access and, things and like weird, uh, and Mr. And, Wizard, and yeah, and occasionally some, occasionally some. Uh, uh, some variety shows that may or may not have been original. They didn't have a whole lot of original programming, and this was original programming and the first, the first ever uh, game show directed at kids. I, I, you know, after reading through some of the stuff about the show, it makes me think: what kind of weird direction could it have gone had they not gotten the right people at the right time? It probably would have gone for a season and then been <laughs> done. Well, you know, originally. They were going to do Soupy Sales as the host. He was a he was a TV show host in the fifties and sixties, and then at one point they were going to do Dana Carvey, who 
Yo, Dana Carvey, funny guy, glad he ended up on SNL. Uh, he actually turned down this show to go audition for SNL. But imagine what things would have been like had it been Dana Carvey hosting Double Dare instead of Mark Summers. Yeah. It, I can't, I cannot see anybody else but Mark Summers doing this. Absolutely. Over a thousand people auditioned for this, and it was Mark Summers who got it. Because, really, uh, he knew how to read the commercials. Yeah. And I think you told me something about him doing magic, right? Well, he was a he was a, a comedian and he was a magician, and he just he impressed the uh, the producers. And like you said, out of out of all of the people that auditioned, he seemed to be the most professional when it came to hosting. When it came to being a TV guy, he was the most professional, and it was it was just like I said, it was a it was a a perfect storm of greatness that, that caused the show to be the, the phenomenon it turned into. Let's talk about what the show actually was really quick because it's a game show. You don't have to explain a whole lot. You don't have to go into plot by plot things. So it starts out with a physical challenge. We're talking about regular Double Dare, the first one. And even Family Double Dare family and double the new day. one. Yeah. All of them start off with a physical challenge that determines the order of who's going to answer questions. Yeah, it's a toss-up. So once they determine that, then the host starts asking questions. The physical questions. challenge usually involved eggs or, you know, something sticky and goopy or yeah. feathers or something water. messy. It would water. Get them, something that would require, would require the use of that towel sitting on the side of their uh, podium. And something that would be cheap to clean up. Exactly. And cheap to use in the first place. Yeah, so... They would do the physical challenge, and then it would become the trivia time. So then the host would ask the whoever won the physical challenge a question, and if they knew the answer, actually, let's let's let Mark explain it. I'm going to ask you a question, and if you don't know the answer or think the other team hasn't got a clue, you can dare them to answer it for double the dollars. But be careful because they can always double dare you back for four times the amount, and then you either have to answer that question or take the physical challenge. Good luck to the gruesome twosome as well to the riffraffs. So basically, they would get a chance to answer the question. If they didn't know, they would challenge the other team. If the other team knew it, they would get double the points. But if they didn't, they would challenge them back, and if they knew it then, they would get quadruple the points, or they could do a physical challenge for the points now most of the time what i've noticed because i watched a few episodes i think i watched more of these than you did right oh yeah yeah so for our assigned watching this week the assigned watching the original thought was let's watch a bunch of the original and then one of the new one and i said eh, you know what let's try and do one of each of the four original family 2000 and the new one and I definitely blasted through that, and I did a couple episodes that were extra because my wife and kid, I honestly just really enjoyed the show. So I watched extra. And really, what I noticed when people were doing the daring and the double daring and whatever, it was one of two things. Either they didn't know, or... It was strategic? No. Well, yes. So it... If I was playing, I always think about this in terms of if I was playing the game. So if I was playing the game and I knew the answer to a question that I was pretty sure the other people didn't know. You dare them so they double dare you back? And then I would answer the question and get the thing. Uh-huh. What I noticed, though, was more so that the people who double dared or who da the people who dared in the beginning knew that the other team was stupid. <laughs> and that... That they would double dare back and then they would take the physical challenge. So they would do the physical challenge solely because the physical challenge for them seemed like it might be easier than actually answering the question. Mm -hmm. So one of the new episodes, the 2018 episodes I watched, was this two brothers, 
against a brother and a sister. Mm-hmm. And the brother and sister definitely seems smarter <laughs> than the two brothers. To be fair, because I think they're older. Okay. So is it, I didn't watch any of the episodes of the new one. Is, it was a new one. It was one is, of the new ones. Is the ones. age range about the same? Are they like 11, 12, 13? Yeah, like 13 and under. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like, uh, like I'd say like 9 to 13-ish. Yeah, maybe somewhere in there. Yeah. Um. So the brother and the sister, like there are questions that like, I don't think they knew the answer to. Like, I hope they did. But it seemed more like they were just determined that the other team was stupid. So mm-hmm. they, like, just dared them to go back and forth. Yeah. I mean, that's, so, it's a smart tactic if you if you know the answer, but you think the other team doesn't, to get quadruple the points. Right. If they, if they shoot it back to you. Now, in 2000, they did have the option for a triple dare, which has been eliminated for the new series. So don't worry about that shit. You don't need to know that. Yeah. So... After the end of it, so they had round one, and then around two, the questions were were double. Yeah, so 20, and then 40, and then 80. So yeah. if it was, it was normal question was 20, then they dare, and it would be 40, 40 and it was and double dare, to 80. Was... And then when, then when they doubled that, then it was double of that. Uh-huh. So, so, and then whoever won after two rounds got to do the obstacle course. Now, it's important to note, though, that they were winning actual money, that the yes. team would split. And in the episodes that Which I watched... Which may not actually seem apparent up front, because it's just a number and a counter on the back, and they'd say, oh, it's worth $200 on the board. But, like, you don't really think about it in that term. You think about a 12-year-old getting $100 from a game show. Like, especially... In, ni- in, in 1986. Yeah, $100 in 1986 for a, for a 12-year-old? That's a lot of money for a 12-year-old. Right. Plus... Which Plus, man, so smart of of Nickelodeon to give out tiny cash prices like that. That's not what, like that's what I was dollars. saying. They knew what kids wanted. They knew how to advertise to them because that's not all they. That's not all they won. Tell them, Harv, and they would list off all this other stuff that the kids, even the 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 losing team would get. So the losing team would get to split their money, whatever it was. And then they had a couple of items that they got. It toys. was usually like a race, one or two toys, yeah, like and a, a radio, pair of shoes, a radio controlled car, like you said, a pair of shoes, board game. I saw one where it was a they they got a um uh it was a computerized dictionary dictionary and thesaurus. Yeah. Well, no. The because lo- we watched that same episode. Oh, so they, the, the, the losing team got a dictionary. The other one got a thesaurus dictionary. Oh, okay, okay. That gave them like but still, more they options. Got, they got they got stuff like that. right. And then if the winning team would then go on to do the obstacle course, which was I think eight different things that they would have to get through in sixty right. seconds. And so for each obstacle that they would accomplish, the obstacles were all spread out across the stage. And so the first, if they got through the first obstacle, they won the first item. They grab that flag, head down the slide, and tell them what they won. Yeah, and then they would pass it off to the to their partner, and then they would uh, try to compete the next challenge. And for each flag that they got, they got a new prize. Now, usually the last prize of the day was like a trip or something. It was something cray. So, like back in the day, I believe like one or two times. It was a, like a Nintendo Entertainment System. Yeah. Or with games. Or it was like a trip to Space Camp. It was always a, it was always a trip to Space Camp yeah. or a trip to Palm Springs yeah, or something. something. Something that I guess if you lived in, I guess if you lived in like Pennsylvania or, or, 
Philadelphia, like that. That's like something like, oh my god, let's go to Palm Springs. Yes. Well, you don't realize you know, that we're it's... we're at least assholes because like Palm Springs is not that far away, and you're like, okay, so I want to go hang out with a bunch of old people by the spa. Yeah, I want to play out... golf in the heat of like go, 120 yeah. degrees in the summer. I'm gonna go hang out in the desert where there's one road to get in and out and spend most of my time. Well, I guess you could most of your time on the road to get they there. Have a, they have an airport there. I guess you could fly in. I would hope that Nintendo would fly you in. That'd be expensive. I would hope fly. that Nintendo would fly. If you had to fly from John Wayne or or LAX just into Palm Springs you're like that's a lot of money to blow just to fly to Palm Springs and then on top of that you get to rent a car or like let's say you don't rent a car let's say you drive there that's a that's a bullet of ch- whatever okay yeah. we're going on a, yeah, yeah, on a yeah. localized tangent so, here so they would but, go they would get they would get these these gradually increasing in value prizes until I, they get the bow the big giant one at the end and, if they got it yeah and it's can the, i just mention that in the newest show i watched the first episode and then a couple of the other ones i don't know if they did it intentionally as like a nostalgia thing or like if that was did, just like did what they the, send someone to palm springs no they sent them to fucking space camp <laughs> i didn't even know space camp was still I a thing i didn't know it was either and i okay it swears whatever 2018 they sent Two kids to space camp That's in like Alabama or Georgia, wherever it is. I was okay. pretty, I was pumped for them. Not going to lie, because <laughs> I was one of those kids. I would have, I would have murdered a hobo to go to I, space camp I as missed, a kid. I missed space camp because when I transferred schools in like the fifth or sixth grade, they did it the year that I missed. Well, you went to a fancy private school. So of course they went to space camp. Yeah. No, we didn't have space camp. I, I wanted to go and it wasn't available. At your school, they just put you inside of like a tumble dryer and said, say, you're going like, to the moon! Don't get on my cage. Sean. Yeah. I, no. lived in, I lived in a cage from third to sixth grade. <laughs> so the, there's, some, there's some interesting things about this show that I learned. Oh, uh, also, side note, on the new show, you don't have to hold... You don't have to hold on to the flag because that was a thing. In, if that was a thing on in the, the original, old one, you get the flag and then you'd have to hold on to it. So well, usually the contestants to, would put it in. Once in they pass it off, they put it in their shirt. Yeah. And on the new one, as soon as they would give, they just drop it onto the ground because you would actually have to pass the flag to your t- to your teammate, and then they would throw it into their overalls. Right. But but once they threw it in the overalls, they'd actually have to save them because if they dropped a flag on the course, it didn't count. Oh, it sucks. I watched an episode where a kid passed it. The team member got it and then dropped it later, and they didn't get that prize. That's kind of dick. Yeah, but on the new one, you just drop it on the you pass it and then they drop it. Okay, so some some important things to note about the show itself. The reason that they had physical challenges in it is because they didn't like the idea of kids not being able to answer the question and it grinding to a halt. So if both teams didn't know the answer to the question, well, and like when what's they the storyboarded resume? it, they didn't really know what to do at the end of the show. I'm like uh, obstacle course. Well, I'm just talking about in the general play, in the general like first and second round, they added that physical challenge part yeah. so that if if the one team didn't know and the other team didn't know, then like what do you do after that? You, you just tell kids they're wrong, Sean. Like yeah. in real life. So they they did they added the physical challenge, which I think I mean it became the most iconic part of it. The physical we'll take the physical challenge. All right. And they do something where they strap like a cup to their head or something. I was going to say like the rubber chicken or like whatever. Yeah. They throw pies at each other. So that's... Put on this diaper and sit in some water and sit on a toilet. (laughs) Yeah. And squeeze that water in that cup. First one to put... To get water over. First one to fill up the cup in 30 seconds wins. Yeah. So 
Uh, some things that I, I I watched a video, and I will link to the video in the episode description. There were some things about this show that were kind of dark. Um, there were issues. So the show's production had a very shoestring budget. It was very low budget. I think each episode when the show started was some had a budget of somewhere in the neighborhood of $10,000 per episode. That might sound like a lot, but it's really not when you're talking about props and 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 construction and all kinds of stuff. They have to build these. They had to build these physical challenges. It's actually pretty cheap when you think about it. Yeah, they have these physical challenges. They had to build the obstacle course and and put all the stuff into it and create these obstacles for the kids. And I don't know if that went into the prize budget as well. It might have. Well, the early so the the earliest physical challenges, like in the very beginning, in the very 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 beginning, were actually pretty lame. So I think like for the original 86 pilot, the it was like climb over this wall like like a military obstacle course, mm-hmm. walk through these tires. It was like very simple and they're just like kids want to get messy, let's make it weird. So yeah. like let's make it weird and crazy. So they did and then they're like jump through this mouth filled with barf. Yeah. Pick this nose filled with boogers. Yeah. You know. And so in the and actually in the in the first episode one of the, I think it was one of the first, I think it was the first episode on the obstacle course. The first thing that the kids had to do was it was a pillow and they had, they used it for a little bit and then they finally got rid of it. It was a pillow that was full of feathers. It was a giant pillow full of feathers. Think of like a beanbag size. Like bean, the size, almost like the size of like a twin bed. Yeah. I'm like a beanbag chair sized pillow that's full of feathers. And the idea is there's a flag in this and you have to find it in all these feathers. So... The first, the very first uh, obstacle course, there's the kid digging into this, digging into the thing. It's the first obstacle in the obstacle course. Digging into this thing, looking for it, empties out the entire pillow, searching through it frantically. Time runs out, didn't get a single thing. That's boring to watch on television. Not only was it boring, the kid looked so dejected that they were like, we can't do this. We can't put this on the air. What had happened is the producers or whoever it was forgot to put a flag in it. Oh, God. So the kid is scrambling, trying to find a flag that's not there. Second time, couldn't do it again. They put a flag in. The kid couldn't find it because it was in this giant bag of, of, uh, of uh, feathers. Third time, they literally put the flag on the top of the... Of, of the pillow reaches in grabs it and t- sends it off so they got three chances at doing the uh, the obstacle course. on the first episode the first yeah. episode because they couldn't have someone it, it wasn't even that they didn't win on the first episode they didn't get past the first obstacle well you can't it's if you have an obstacle course the whole point is to watch people do the obstacle course i'm thinking of sasuke or uh ninja warrior mm-hmm um, which I, I've been watching for, I don't know, like a decade. Mm-hmm. So back when the show was originally on in Japan and only Japan, and it was called Sasuke, the, yes, it was hard. But, but occasionally but, people win. But people, well, no, no. Like, occasionally, occasionally people would get far. So Well, occasionally, hope. so like <laughs> in the first, I think 15 or 20 seasons of the show, they would do two a year. And so like in the first, I think 10 years of the show, they had... What is it? I think two winners. Mm-hmm. Two winners. One guy who won like the third season, and another guy who won like seventeen or nineteen or something like that. First was like a military guy who, by the time you know he kept competing later, he went blind, and then later was a thirty-seven-year-old like a like fisherman, like who worked on the docks and like climbed ropes and stuff for a living. Mm-hmm. And 
the first obstacle course has to be hard enough for people to do it. But um, still but, be challenging. But, but still be challenging. Yeah. And then it's supposed to get progressively harder, but you can't blow your load on the first challenge. Mm-hmm. You just can't. And that, that was the problem. And there were some other problems, too, uh, with creating the physical challenges and creating the obstacle course. Because uh, so the things were messy and there was an issue with cleanup that the set would apparently smell really bad. Didn't you say they tried to put some sort of like weird spray on the they, floor? They to pull tr- yeah. the... No, they were trying to, apparently they tried to put some kind of uh, lacquer on the floor that they could pull up each, essentially replace each time. So it would minimize cleanup. They could just essentially lift up the whole floor and throw it away. And the the first time that they tried that, it was on a very small set, apparently, and they laid it all out. And anybody who's put any kind of like lacquer down on a wood floor or on a stage or something, it smells very strongly if you don't have very good ventilation. And they were on a small sound stage that had lights everywhere. So hot lights. Hot lights. So the entire and poor crew, ventilation. Yeah, the entire crew got high. Like real high. Yeah. And and then they had to film while they were high. <laughs> uh, they, I want I want to watch that so bad. Yeah. So it was one of the first couple episodes. So another issue was that the show was incredibly messy and they wouldn't always clean well. So they would leave That was the, just the regular show, by yeah. the way. Because there was super sloppy double dare, which was like a side project that they Mm -hmm. did that was more sloppy that was like doubly messy yeah so they they would and this is all in the original show they would they would get stuff everywhere because if you think about the original show there was cream pies and there was uh, eggs eggs everywhere everywhere. so imagine all this food waste think about the contaminants like 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 with salmonella you've got all these raw eggs everywhere i mean you would get salmonella just like putting your hand on the counter well think about all the food waste on the floor and if they don't clean it up really really well which they didn't in the beginning think of all those hot studio lights that are on it oh, they come in, smell delicious they come in the next day and i i believe there were there's some quotes from like mark summers and a couple of the couple of the crew that's just you know they come into the studio and it would smell horrendous because of all that stuff that had just you know baked into the set or had molded and had just gotten rotten um, there were some injuries on the set because of the uh, because of the, uh, the the slippery, sticky nature of the show. I believe one of the cameramen slipped early on in production and had to film the rest of the season in a cast because he slipped and like broke his leg or something. There was apparently, and you think about it, think about this, think about. I mean, I know that the show was remade, but I'm sure it is much safer now than oh, it was. Oh, it has to be. There's, there's no there's question. There's foam on everything and there's whatever. But well, re- and, not on, and, and on top of that, they filmed 482 episodes in between 86 and 93. And like in the first, in the very beginning, they were filming like what? Four or five in a, in a day. Yeah, several a day. Yeah. Like what was it you told me like in 23 days or something, they filmed the first 65 yeah, it's something like that. I mean, that's not uncommon for game shows. Like, I mean, so they were filming like two a day for for a month. That studio must have reeked. It it probably did. And and here's the thing, the the obstacle course. I mean, you watch some of these kids in the original Double Dare going through the obstacle course, and they are just slamming into stuff. They're hitting things. They're falling. There was one, uh, and if you remember this obstacle. It was called, I think, the sewer or the flush or something. So what they would, yes, so what yes. they would do is they climb through a tunnel. They pull, uh, they climb through the tunnel, and then they'd be in a uh, like a glass box, and they'd pull on a cord, 
and it would dump out water and a flag, and then they grab the flag. They'd have to climb up a ladder and then go down like a spiral, yes, uh, a spiral slide into a bunch of gunk at the bottom. So there was a kid who, when he came out of the tube, the first tube initially, and he went into the box, he slammed his neck as he fell out of that tube. He slammed his neck, and I believe Mark Summers and a couple of the other uh, uh, crew members thought the kid died. They thought he <laughs> snapped his neck and he was dead. And Mark Summers apparently said that when, the whole time he was there, he was just staring at the kid saying, are you okay? Are you okay? Seriously, are you okay? And apparently the kid was fine. And they went back and they looked at the video and they said that the kid shouldn't have survived because he slammed his neck and just bent his neck in a weird way. And they don't understand how he didn't break his neck and die. I, so I know exactly which challenge you're talking about. Like, it, it's a small tube that they crawled through. Mm-hmm. And then... Think of like a got, tube that you would get at a play place at like McDonald's. Right, yeah. So you crawl through that. And then it's a vertical square box that's like maybe 15 feet high. With the string running up. And then you pull on... With a ladder inside. Mm-hmm. And you pull on the string... The string would then and dump all the contents onto you. You'd have to get the flag, climb the top of the ladder, and go mm-hmm. down a spiral slide with would look like barf at the bottom. Yeah, or, or like guacamole or something. Yeah, it's it always something weird. Yeah. And it always seemed dangerous because the kids would always crawl it like head first. And then they'd that first fall tunnel. out. They'd fall out into the box, but that tunnel because was that tunnel, like four feet off yeah, the, the ground. Yeah, the tunnel wasn't on the ground. The tunnel was suspended in the air. Some, you know, it wasn't, like you said, it's like four feet off the ground. So the kids would come tumbling out of that thing onto the ground, which it's like, who designed that one? I don't know. I don't know. There, there was another instance of a kid who, and I don't know the name of the disease. It's a degenerative disease, uh, congenital one that you get from, you have from birth, where they have very brittle bones and, there, uh, the kid before, and they had, they had signed up, uh, they had lawyers, they weren't stupid. They had, uh, people sign releases and stuff like parents would sign releases for their kids. And they, uh, the kid before, apparently before he had been on the show, he had already broken like 17 bones in his life. Why would they let a kid with like osteogenesis compete on That's the show? That's what it was. He had osteogenesis. Yeah. I have no idea, but like he, the, the parent either like lied on the form or whatever. But I mean, like this kid, osteo, first of all, osteogenesis is very dangerous Two, These kids normally don't live all that long. Yeah. So he's like 11, 12 years old. He's like past his expiration date. So let's be fair. So what happened with this kid is I forget which, which obstacle he was on, but he was doing one of the obstacles and he like fell and broke his compound, fractured his arm and the bone was sticking out. This must have been something they edited out. Yeah. Oh no, I don't think they. I don't think they used it. He that's fell. A, can I just say that's kind of a fucking shame because I really <laughs> wish Nickelodeon would have kept so these on the what, side. What happened was he he compound fractured the arm. The bone in his arm was coming out of the skin, and I guess Mark Summers had to run off the set so he didn't barf on the kid. <laughs> oh, he geez. was so he was so like like unnerved Upset by it. Yeah. Uh, like understandably. So I'll I'll say as somebody who's seen many a bone in his life exposed. That the first time you see it, or the first time that you see a limb that is, like, bent in the wrong direction, it's a little gnarly, and it's hard to handle. Yeah. But really, like, to barf, like, come on. Well, I mean, he, like, I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe, who knows what it looked like or what his mental state was when he saw that. I don't know. There was a, there was another kid. I mean, I don't doubt it because of his OCD, but I just feel like, yeah, like, get a grip, you're an adult. 
Like, you know, like, I mean, wh- maybe, whatever, yeah, whatever. Maybe he has an issue with blood too. There was another, there was another injury and I can't remember what it was now. There was another injury where uh, a kid like really, really hurt themselves. And that caused, like, like that caused them, that caused the producers to like change around the obstacle course so that they got rid of certain, uh, they got rid of certain uh game like yeah the, the, the obstacles some of the and... obstacles i would imagine from the earlier days were probably like not, not so safe yeah so in the later episodes like one of the episodes that you and i watched uh because we both watched one of the ones that we watched was the same one it was like from later on in the show mm-hmm. like it was like 92 Late... 93 no i thought it was the i thought it was like the the later 80s that one was from are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Those kids look like they were from the 80s. Uh, Well, like 19, you know, like that time period all kind of blended together. It was definitely past the first couple of years, though. Yeah, maybe it was 90. Because the because the challenges, for the most part, the, the seemed girl was wearing safe. The girl was wearing glasses that looked like a granny. Yes, they were huge. Huge. Some golden girl style glasses right there. I like so like... Estelle my, Getty right there. My, my, my wife's had LASIK, and before she had LASIK, she was essentially legally blind without glasses. And she was like ragging on this girl with her big glasses. Like, you are not one to talk. I've seen your glasses. They were literally like three quarters of an inch thick. Yeah. Like, come on. No, they were they were pretty they were pretty outrageous. Uh, but yeah, by, by it, that time, it almost the... felt like it was a meme though, because yeah. a part of me, like looking at it, thought, is this not somebody? Is this not from today? But they're like trying to look for, like I'm, from I'm the pretty time. sure. I'm pretty sure my sister has glasses that look like that, except she turned them into sunglasses. Oh, of course she did. Yeah. But but yeah, the, the the by that time the physical challenges were pretty tame. They were sort of out of the wild west of that, yeah of that show. They were. It was almost like they decided let's just make them messier but safer. Because the kids just want to get messy. Like, yeah. there's no reason to put children in danger. No, for a game show. For a, no. for a game show where they win a couple hundred bucks and a, an impossible trip to space camp. Like, yeah. it's not and worth some toys. It. So, yeah. ultimately, did you like rewatching the old and the new and comparing it? Which which did you think was better? So, can I just say that first of all, they're all pretty much the same. Yeah, they are. They're all pretty much the same. It's like watching different versions of any game show. Like, except Bo- for the 2001. I didn't enjoy the 2001 as much. Because I, I missed Mark Summers. Yeah. The host was I perfectly standable, but I missed Mark Summers. I like the questions. You know what it Because was? the questions were all like 2000 era questions. That was fun. So the, the 80s episode that you and I watched, did you notice the question that they asked highest grossing uh, comedy star of 1987? And yeah. as soon as they asked a the question, I was sitting there and it's like, Eddie Murphy. And my wife, was like, my wife was like, how do you know it's Eddie Murphy? I was like, it's Eddie Murphy. Trading places, coming uh, to America. It's Eddie Murphy. It was Beverly Hills Cop. And it was Beverly Hills Cop. But I was like, he, I, he was a huge star from the 80s. How could you not know that? That's why I thought that the show was from like 87 or 88. Or that's why I thought it was from 88 because they were talking about what happened last year. Yeah. I mean, I figured... Why, it, would, they, why would they ask a question like if it's 1990? Like, who was the highest, highest grossing... Because it was only two years ago, you know, at that point. I couldn't tell you who the highest grossing comedic actor two years ago was. I don't know if I could even tell you who the... <laughs> it was probably shoot who was the highest grossing it doesn't matter it doesn't matter tell us in the notes or tell us in the comments who was the highest grossing comedian last year and the year before uh we don't know i don't know either. but i think like for for men in general i think right now it's the rock and before that it was vin, Di- vin diesel as a comedian Comic no no actor? just just oh high, actors yeah, period no. high state actors i think so, it's the so rock you, and then vin you liked all of them even the 2001 the it was 2001 just... was fun so i didn't like n- not having mark summers but i actually really enjoyed the questions all the physical challenges are basically the same. Yeah, I know you do. And and I do too. Well, you used to host trivia and I met you while we were doing bar trivia. Yay. So, yay. Uh, you know, 
I like the old one just because of the nostalgia. It's young Mark yeah. Summers. It's it's like the infancy of the show, and you really feel like, you know, like, it feels like they're kind of doing it by the seat of the pants. Yeah, and sometimes that makes shows really fun because you know that they're that they're they're just they're doing what they can to make it the show work. It feels like it could go wrong at any moment. Yeah, you know. Like, uh, which like explains the kids getting injured thing. Yeah, you know? it's like a train wreck. The new one is is so so. Here's the thing about the new one because you don't watch any of the new ones. So I the did thing not. the thing with the new one is that it looks like they decided to recreate the original show and its set, mm-hmm. but with a bigger budget. Instead of ten thousand an episode, they have like a million an episode. Probably. Well, I'm sure they will. That's pretty standard. It, I it's think like for everything most... at least seemed higher quality. Like yeah, like the. So the background behind the contestants is like a video wall. Okay. Which is kind of cool. And and but but everything is like the design of their their podiums looks exactly the same with the towel bars and everything. Hmm. Which is kind of cool, I think, too. And and it even has that yellow with the red swirls in it, like sort of pattern. Like they it's like they took the booths from from the 80s and they picked them up and plopped them down for today yeah which is cool the flooring looks very similar the the obstacles look very similar but maybe a little more tame but but still just as a little better constructed my kid really liked the show she really enjoyed it i enjoyed the show my wife enjoyed it did you i loved the show i mean it's it's fun i think that's why it was so successful it's super fun because it's it's, did Kathy watch it with you she did not oh okay it's super fun it's it's a it's a show that combines like and so here's here's the thing it a lot of the criticism for the show was that it was the criticism that did exist was that it was waste it wasted food because a lot of the the uh challenges involved food and the obstacles whatever we throw away a third of our groceries every year in the united states yeah, anyway whatever that's, we're a wasteful that's, society that's it's, not a that's not a good criticism i think yeah um the other criticism was that it was essentially inane it didn't do anything it was it was just noise and and color on the screen welcome to a game show well that's what i that's what that's my whole point like game shows aren't designed to convey messages they're not uh, designed to convey a point it's spectacle the the, the point of a game show is for contestants to win money and for people to live vicariously through these other through these other people it's like it's like watching sports what's the point of sports it's a cathartic like release because you're watching people do things. You're like, living vicariously through the experiences of another person. Yeah, you're that's watch, the whole point you're of watching, watching pe- sports. You're watching people compete either in its sports or why do people watch Jeopardy? Why do people watch uh, Wheel of Fortune or The Price Is Right? They watch it because they want to. They want to imagine what it's like to be those people. And I, I mean, think to be fair, maybe a little bit of Sean Friday. I think we watch, watch in hopes it. that somebody's going to bomb real hard. Yeah, and we get to see like a genuine moment because it's. I mean, it's. It's the illusion, at least, of live television. And th- there's always the thought in the back of your mind that something could go wrong at any moment. And yeah. apparently it did with kids getting compound fractures and But it makes it made you want to, as a kid, as a kid watching it, it made you want to be on the show. It, you like There were other shows that made me want to be on it more, which we may get into. Yeah. But this one definitely also had that effect. Yeah, so I liked it. And it still had that charm, I feel like. It, it's sort of a timeless show. I mean, the show is 30... 30 it is honestly it is 32 a, years old right it's now it's a concept you can pick up and drop off in any time but even and though, i 100% recommend the new one it's kind of cool because mark summers takes over the announcer role mm-hmm. but he'll also kind of come in and do trivia and stuff and interact with the host and well the, he's they, got his own little podium and 
And you know? the, I'm even saying that the old one is timeless. That you could just go back and watch the old one. I mean, maybe eh, some of the questions, yeah. are, some of the questions are a little dated, but the like, questions are dated. But it's still fun to watch. Yeah, you I can, mean, I mean, it's, it's it's like 11 to 13 year old level trivia anyway i mean right. year old child level trivia so it's not exactly difficult there's some like zingers thrown in that there's they pop, might not there's know. pop culture stuff that they're not going to know because it's like relevant to the time that's kind of why i like the 2000 one because like you know we were in high school in 2000 so britney spears bitch yeah it's like a backstreet boy question or you know so it's like it's like i know these questions yeah so I think we would both recommend going back, oh, rewatching yeah. this show. Watch the new one; it's good. It's it's entertaining. I don't. I can't think of any criticism I would add for this. I don't think so either. I it's, would say that the Nintendo fun, game a, and the PC game weren't all that great, but <laughs> outside of that, well, like whatever. I mean, it's a game show. It's a it's a fun family game show. Where and kids are, get messy at the end. Yeah, who cares? It's 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 fun. Their kids are gonna love it. You're probably gonna it's, enjoy. I it mean, yourself. I feel like it's an all ages thing. If you've got nothing like set up in your queue that you're really excited to watch, but you need to do something in the background throw it on the background you'll look over it every once in a while and go oh okay and you might stop and watch it for a few minutes it's entertaining yeah why not so th- go out there watch double dare maybe family double dare you could probably skip double dare 2000 and watch the new one double dare i mean watch it watch it for a comparison if you grew up during that time period uh, yeah. the questions will seem really fun and relevant make you feel old but yeah so uh, if you want to talk to us about this or any other episode, if you want to suggest an episode, if you want to uh, talk to us at all, you can check out our website, childhoodremastered.com. It has links to all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can send us all the an above. email. You can send us a call. You can send us a call. You can call us. If your call is interesting enough and semi-appropriate, we'll play it. Even if it's not appropriate, maybe I'll bleep you out. Maybe I'll add some stuff. Yeah, to maybe. If you enjoyed the show, leave us five stars on iTunes or wherever you listen. And if you didn't enjoy the show, then leave us a terrible review and put five stars anyways because that'll yeah. be funny. Send uh, us it, comments on Facebook. Yes, if you liked our music, Twitter. John Howarth, you can check out his SoundCloud, all the information's on our website. Uh, we're part of the ACPN network, acpnet.net. A lot uh, of sorry, great shows. A- acpn.net. No, it's acpnet.net. Derp a derp. Yes. Okay. So, you know what? We'll keep that mess up. Yeah. Why not? Well, so I'm check- a human being, not a robot. Yeah, so check that out. There's lots of great shows on the network. Uh, and if you have some show suggestions for us, if you have an uh, idea of maybe another show that, that you would think that we uh, would get along with, that would, uh, we could do a collab with them, let us know. Send us a Facebook message or an yeah. email or message us on our website. Whatever you want to do. Sounds good to us. We have some collabs coming up ourselves. Yes. Actually, by the time that this episode comes out, we're going to have an episode out on another show, uh, on another network, and they, they're they really nice, and we, they let us come and record in their studio, and we actually had a ton of fun with them. They're really awesome people, and uh, they're actually going to be on an episode of ours coming up pretty soon, too. Yep. Uh, so... You know, keep keep an eye out for that. We may be posting something about that as well. And uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, so until next time, this is Sean. And Chris. And this has been your Childhood Remastered. We will see you next time.